0: Wanting to incorporate more digital tools into your closing process, but not sure where to start? ProperSign is the remote online notarization platform with solutions for e-signing, e-notarization, identity verification, and more. So whether you need to perform a Ron or RIN or anything in between, ProperSign has been called surprisingly simple to use by some of the title industry's pickiest professionals. For a limited time, you can get a 30-day trial of the tool completely free. To get this offer, visit propersign.com backslash safe-secure-closing. That's propersign.com backslash safe-secure-closing. Now, back to Title Talks. Most of us are familiar with personal identity theft. But if you own a business or hold title to a property through a limited liability company, you need to know about the threat of business identity theft as well. In most states, it's shockingly easy for criminals to change the address and managing partners listed under an LLC to take out a loan. Furthermore, title agents and real estate attorneys may unwittingly be helping these criminals steal businesses and properties out from under their rightful owners. I'm Amanda Farrell, and you're listening to Title Talks.
1: There's so many victims out there that the police can't even help them because they don't have the resources and the manpower to deal with this problem, you know?
0: Andy Pham is a successful real estate developer and entrepreneur who created Company Alarm, a software meant to help businesses and real estate professionals identify when business identity theft has taken place. It was an idea he got after receiving a notice of foreclosure on his $5 million property. Crooks had usurped the ownership of his LLC and used it to take out loans with the property as collateral. Our conversation starts with Andy telling us about his background and how Company Alarm came to be.
1: My name is Andy Pham. I came to America in 1979. I came here alone in 1979. After the fall of Vietnam in 1975, uh, my family, my mom and my, my two sisters and my dad, we were in the the south vietnam and the south vietnamese army and my dad uh, decided not to leave when uh, the u.s troops pulled out in 1975. Um, he didn't want to go to the u.s embassy and get on the helicopter because he was um he didn't want to abandon his country so he decided to stay it was a big mistake for for us to stay because after the fall of vietnam in 1975 the communists which is uh, the north they went down, they won, they, they conquered, they occupied South Vietnam. And within 24 hours, they went around all the neighborhood and knocked on every single door, say you have to leave your weapons outside your gate, including your military uniforms and your guns. And so that's what we did. We obeyed the law because the government, is, is the North is in control now. The North is uh, communism after that. The, which is 19, 1975. My dad, um, our family, we had a lot of problems and struggles and starvation because once the Communists took over South Vietnam, there was nothing left. You know, they confiscate land that you you own, they confiscate the guns, so you can't defend yourself. So I was eight years old when I saw this, you know, happening, and. In 1975, also, they took my dad away at 2 o'clock in the morning. They, they knocked on the door because he was in the South Vietnamese Army, so they, they took him away at 2 o'clock in the morning, and we never see him for the next six years. Um, so. We went through a period of starvation because everything belongs to the communists, you know. They confiscate land, and when they confiscate your land, your private property, people have no incentive to work, you know. They just, just, why would you work and the other guy is is sitting, you know. So when no one wants to work, you have no money. When you have no money, no one wants to farm also, so there's no food. So I, I it's, it's, and also we were in the war of Cambodia. And uh, in 1979, my mom decided there's nothing left for us here. And she sold everything that she uh, she owned that important to her. And she put me on a little boat with 15, 20 other kids. And from then on, I, I was on this fishing boat, drifting out to sea, hoping that someone would rescue us. So after five days at sea we ran out of food and water and um we somehow discovered there's a oil offshore rig out in some in the middle of the ocean and they um they rescue us. And um I was put on the little islands off of Malaysia called Pulau Tanga. Then my life begins there, you know, as a little boy with five other kids and we live in this little hut for two and a half years until my grandmother left for America when the American troops pulled out in 1975. And, um, yeah, that's how my life started, you know, by being alone on this little island with five other boys. And we learned how to fish for food, how to build a home. And um, after two years going to other paperwork, I was um, sponsored by my grandmother who left Vietnam in 1975. Then I came to America as a a young boy, uh, and ten years old, you know.
0: Of course, I'm sure those early years really put an impression on you in terms of your current work ethic. And when you made that move over to America, you started a, a company, a real estate development company, correct?
1: Yes, yes. So my grandma always pushed me. Three things you have to be su- in order you to be successful is you have to assimilate. In America, you have to learn the language, how to speak uh, English also. And education is your way out to move up the ladder and uh, hard work, you know. That's what my grandmother taught me that. W- with that teaching, I was able to go up to college at University of California, Irvine, in Orange County. And when I went to college, I I started studying for my uh, real estate test. Then I got my real estate license, real estate broken license in California when I was 19 years old. Then I went on and got my insurance license, my Series 7 auto skills license. Then I started working for a company out in Atlas, in Pennsylvania, they drill oil and gas. We would uh, raise money to drill uh, natural gas. We sell the gas to General Motors. We sell the gas uh, to all the surrounding homes. So I did that for five years before I got into real estate. Um, I got into real estate back in 2002. Um, that's when I start working for a person named Robert Kubik. He was a big real estate developer in in Alaska. And when I worked for him, I learned everything about real estate development. Then he teach me how to build the first five homes in Bloomington, California. That's how I got involved in real estate by learning from other people. And other people were kind enough of, to teach me the rope and show me how to build homes and shopping center. Um, uh, you know, assisted living facility, uh, industrial buildings. So from then on, I I was able to raise my own funds and start my own projects with my own investors.
0: And so it sounds like things were going really great for you in terms of the real estate business. What then um, caused you to start a company like Company Alarm? What was the reason for, for that?
1: Great question, Amanda. Company Alarm was started because I am what you call a serial entrepreneur. I have successfully started over 20 companies in the last 25 years. Different companies in, involved in biotech companies. Mostly, most of my projects currently uh, real estate projects. You know, I'm building a self-storage facility in Mesa, Arizona. So, um, I was a victim of business identity theft. A group of investors of mine that have been with me for 25 years. In 2005, we bought a piece of land, we paid cash in Nevada, right next to Red Rock Canyon. And the goal was to get it approved for 30 townhomes, beautiful townhomes, back into Red Rock Canyon and this gated community next to the townhomes. You can, you, we have a equestrian center where people can bring their horses and, and ride into Red Rock Canyon. So those, home, those townhomes is 24 hundred square feet, three story high with a view to the strip and, and a view to the Red Rock Mountain behind you and with all the amenities including the pool. Then, so we paid $5 million cash. I got uh, the city to approve it. Uh, It took me a year and a half to get to get all the the property entitled. Then in 2008, the market crashed. I couldn't get construction loan for the project. I was putting up the land as collateral for five million dollar cash, plus um, put in another five hundred thousand dollar cash. Then pull a construction loan for fifteen million dollars. Then I I couldn't because at that time the banks were not lending. So the project. You know, we stayed dormant for, um, for since 2005 up to 2017. So that's 12 years I, I own that project with my investor, free and clear. There's no debt on the property. I pay the property taxes every single year. And in 2017, I was I moved from Las Vegas because I, I lived in Las Vegas for 15 years. After I moved from California, Amanda and my wife's family from uh, Idaho, so we decided to move up to Idaho to take care of her mom, and while I was sitting at my desk in Idaho, I received a foreclosure notice on my property, and my heart just sank when I received the foreclosure notice. You know your your life just like stopped that moment because you're like okay I, I own this property for the last twelve years, been paying the property taxes every single year. How, how did I get a foreclosure notice So after receiving the, the foreclosure notice, I called my lawyer right away, and he said, "Andy, someone has taken out two private hard money loans on your property then after that it's been a nightmare for the last three years, you know, trying to go to court to do a quiet title action to get my property back Amanda has been the most difficult three years of my entire life.
0: The details um, as they've kind of unfolded as you've learned more about how this happened um, i I was reading in the one article you mentioned that the the people who ended up um, being the ones that took out these loans against your property you had been speaking to people about this vacant lot and your plans with it, and that's how they found out about it um, being there. But then what was it that they did in order to, to access those loans and get those loans taken out against your property?
1: Oh, so what they did is they, on December 31st, 2015, which is New Year's Eve, Amanda, they went on to Nevada Secretary of State website called silver flume the crooks they all got together in at the hotel um on the strip i think there's three of them so they removed me as the managing member of my llc you know when you remove somebody as a managing member that person then they replaced that the, my name with uh, a person named james cowhorn and from then on i i did not know that i um my name was removed because on New Year's Eve, no one go go on the Secretary of State website and check, see who has removed you as the managing member. When we form an LLC, you know, we don't go on the Secretary of State website and check the status of our LLC. We only do that once a year, you know, because you have, you have your anniversary date. Um, so let's say you form an LLC today, your anniversary date is going to be next year you have to renew that before that uh, that, that anniversary date. So for, for most businessmen like my, like me, when they form an LLC, their office manager helps them form an LLC. After that, you, you know, you you put a piece of land in an LLC or a business in an LLC. You don't think about it. You know, you think you you've been protected by the state, and it's actually what I discover is that's not the truth. Your, your public, your, once you form an L C with the Secretary of State, everything becomes a public record. People can search you and, and find who you are, you know. So there's no safety, there's no safeguard your person, your business identity on, with a Secretary of State portal. That's the reason why I, I started Company Alarm because what I want to do is I wish I could help people out there that this happens every single day because For two reasons, Amanda. What you have is, in the old days, let's say you want to change, uh, hijack a company, you have to walk into the Secretary of State's office and fill out a paperwork, a form. Then you have to pay that fee to update the manager or the fiscal address of the company. Nowadays, with our Internet age, anyone can sit in front of a computer, and in 30 seconds, they can just use a, a debit card or go to... Walgreens and buy a, a, a credit card that you can just put in $50 and you can hijack a company and the Secretary of State, they, they don't care, you know. They, that's how they, they make additional money because people are out there are doing this and they don't have the authority or the legal authority are to, to prosecute people and it's a gaping hole that no one talks about it. And so many business out there. When you for, when you start a business, you want to form an LLC to to insulate yourself from personal liability, right? And there's a lot of businesses being born every single year, especially in Nevada. There's 56,000 new businesses either formed under an LLC, S-Corp, or C-Corp every single year. And nobody knows about this problem. Business identity theft is the most underreported problem in the U.S. right now, you know?
0: Right. And it was really easy for them to make those changes and file them online with the Secretary of State. and. When that was brought to your attention, what sort of response from the Secretary of State did you get in terms of stopping <laughs> this type of fraud and what kind of actions are they taking proactively to combat that?
1: When my office manager discovered that my name has been removed, she, what, the first thing she did is she filed a fraud complaint with the Secretary of State's you know, you can go in and file for a complaint because she said, Andy, someone has removed you as the managing member of Young L C for the last twelve years and his person name is James Calhoun. And I say, I don't know this James Calhoun character. Can you just send a cease and desist letter to his his medical practice? And also file for a complaint with Secretary of State. Then we just go back and remove him and put myself back into amend the list and put Andy back as the managing member and then we just go on our merry way, and in four months later, when I receive a foreclosure notice, everything came back to me. I, now I see I'm connecting all the dots, you know. Now I see what what they have done to me is when we receive a notice that someone has removed me uh, as a managing member, is we get uh, the state sent out a very generic email saying the list has been amended, and we have over 50 companies register new Nevada we get those notices every day and sometimes some of them go into a spam folder and we didn't check we didn't know Amanda that the the uh, the llc has been hijacked by this character James Calhoun you know we didn't know that this could could happen and anyone can do it you just have to make up a a new id address which you make up a new email address which you can go on google and get a new email account from mm-hmm. and from that you all you have to do is just go on the secretary of state uh, website called silverflume and hijack a company i can hijack a, a mgm casino right now and remove jim murin as the ceo and put andy Pham in it uh, in a, in 5 minutes i can do it
0: yeah and, it's it's pretty crazy and i know with um in your uh, case the nevada secretary of state said that You know they weren't responsible for any neglect or liability Um, and they said that it was a result of you know a failure of due diligence on the part of the lenders and the buyers Um, do you think that that's a fair statement to make do you think that this is an issue where you know the people dealing with the real estate transactions should be aware of this or is there something more that the secretary of state should be doing
1: the Secretary of State of Nevada, yes, they said we we have no legal authority to verify the accuracy of the information, and we don 't care it 's up to the up to the buyer and the seller uh, up to the the ESCO agent to verify the information online We're just an entity within the government that takes the application we don 't we 're not going to call anybody to verify that is this true information, and th- the problem is. This loopholes in the system going through the last three years, going through the, the legal process. I discovered that the crooks, they know all their, they all go to the same school because they all go to the same prison and they teach them how to do this, you know. So all you have to do, Amanda, is that what James when I filed a fraud complaint, you know what these people did? We named him when we filed a fraud complaint, you right? So what they did is they wrote an email to the Secretary of State, said, I met, them at the Suncoast Hotel, then when they broke that email, the Secretary of State dismissed my fraud complaint. They said, okay, it's between the parties. We, we don't want anything to do with it. We just dismissed the complaint. This is, I found out, this to the the request for information act. You know how you when you go to deposition, you subpoena records. You know, and I found out that's how they get got around the system by um, beating the the fraud complaint that I file. It's like you and I, Amanda. Let's say you hijack my company. All you have to do is file a fraud complaint. You write a short email to the secretary. To say, yeah, I met Andy at uh, in Florida at the Marriott, and they're just going to dismiss that fraud complaint, and they're not mm-hmm. going to do anything about it.
0: Wow. So it definitely seems like business owners can't rely on the Nevada secretary of state. And I know that this is an issue in other states as well. Um, I actually wrote about the problem not too long ago because the American Land Title Association put out an alert, you know, to title agents regarding this particular problem in business identity theft. and. You know, how that's being used as a way to either sell land that essentially doesn't belong to you or to, like in your case, take out loans against it. So in terms of, you know, what title agents do and real estate attorneys, what is it that you think that they can be doing to sort of maybe step in and fill that void where the Secretary of State is you know not performing and what are some things that they can do to make sure business owners like you are protected what are those red flags related to real estate deals involving business identity theft
1: a good good question i'm going to answer in in three steps number one is especially um escrow agents or real estate lawyers what they need to do is when when you do a closing right the first thing you have to do is uh, with company aligned with our software we can tell you the history of the owners of the property, of the LLC. Let's say I'm looking online to company alarm uh, back end. You can see, okay, Andy Pham been a managing member for the last 12 years. And suddenly there's a person just came on, James Calhoun. Why is he taking out loans on the property when Andy Fan been the managing member? And why is the business address changed? So there's, there's flags, there's patterns that the crooks use, you know. They change your business address to their address to a new address that doesn't exist. Then they also remove you as the managing member. So those will cause the red flags. So our system will tell you on the home screen, it tells you before and after. It gives you the history of the managing member, the history of the, address, the history of the phone number on the other side of the screen, you're going to see, okay, in the last three months, this company has been changed from um, Andy Pham to James Cowhorn, and the physical business address has been changed from Las Vegas to Colorado Springs. So that will raise a red flag. I would. The first thing I would do is pick up the phone and call Andy Pham because I can be tracked. You can just Google my name. You can see my cell phone number and call Andy and say, "Hey, Andy, did you give away the right to your property, Caballo's de Oro? I would like, um, excuse me, you know, I, I, I own that property. I still own that property. So there's so many ways that our system will help company alarm." will we'll show people that look this company has the same managing member for 12 years and why is this person in the last 90 days taking out a loan against the property that the previous owner hasn't taken out the loan he's paid cash on it there's five million dollars in equity on on this property and it will raise a red flag in my mind also you know uh there's uh, there's other patterns that the crook is they would hijack a company that been in the dormant status for five to six to seven years amanda then what they do is they revive that company and bring it back into active status and what you know what they do they go out and order uh cell phones uh or send it to uh, an address that is is not even you know Exists like an empty building. So what they use is they use that previous company credit to buy stolen goods. So even so, um,
0: businesses that have been deactivated are at risk of this happening to them as well. So if you're if you have been at some point in your life a business owner, you could still be affected by this kind of fraud.
1: Absolutely, because. For example, I, right, I, I have so many businesses. I have so many uh, land projects, my self storage project. Um, I build credit to it for the last 10 years, you know, how you, your business, you know, you pay your utility bills on time, you build credit on it, you pay your, um, all the, you know, you get credit, you get business credit, so I can go out and get a business, business line of credit with a bank, and all the crook has to do is go to the um, IRS.gov website and apply for a new EIN number, Amanda, in, in, your, in your name, in your business name and from that EIN number they can file a tax return because that's all you need. An EIN number, file a tax return with the federal government. From that they use the they use fake operating agreement. Then they can go to a lender and get credit to buy a copier. For fifty thousand dollars and ship it to an unknown address the police won 't do anything because it 's difficult for them it 's not like a guy you see robbing a bank, you see him on camera you know he he walk away with twenty five hundred dollars. Business identity theft is a huge problem because the loss is uh, in at least a hundred thousand dollars minimum And when I went to the police and camped out in front of the police They say Andy this is too difficult for us because we have to go and track the IP address where those guys when they change your name You know and everything now the crooks know they just need to do they just need to use a VPN to, 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 to Cover their tracks right and so I, for, for, from my experience, white-collar crime—you can get away with it if you want to commit white-collar crime. My mentality is: I don't wake up and see how, how can I steal something from somebody. I wake up every single day thinking about how, how I can build a project to f- provide jobs for people around me. You know, I don't think about okay, how am I gonna, what am I gonna take from people today? There's people out there that think like that every single day. You know.
0: Yeah, it's really unfortunate. And I know that this issue of cybercrime, it definitely is becoming a bigger issue for law enforcement, local municipalities and you know states to figure out how to, to deal with. Um, I, I mentioned to you deed fraud is also a really big big issue because just like people can steal your business, they can also pretty easily steal your home as well if you're not paying attention to people filing deeds. Um, transferring title over from the current owner to someone new and all they have to do is go and file that with the county clerk and in the same way with the Secretary of State there's no process at that level to verify those records that are being filed with them they just, they just file it they just record it in the public record that's it. So it definitely seems like to me, there needs to be more state and federal legislation and legislators looking at this and creating laws to prevent these types of scams and require better safeguards. But is there anything that you feel like specifically should be done, you know, at the state legislator level to sort of curb these issues? Or, I mean, I guess for for you as an entrepreneur, clearly you're... um, interested in solving these problems yourself, but do you see anything that needs to be done at the state level at all?
1: Yeah, for the last 10 years, you know, um, the the National Cybersecurity Society have asked the state, that once a year, you know, on the secretary of state, they have a, a conference they go to, and on our board is, is the, the uh, you know, the number one white-collar crime criminal investigator. His name is Ralph Gagliardi. He's the leading nation's uh, law enforcement for business identity theft. And he would go and attend those meetings every single year and ask the Secretary of State to put in safeguards. And there's a white paper out there 10 years ago listing the solutions that the state could adopt. And the state, you know, the government, you know how government, it it is difficult for the state to make changes because they have to go to the legislator, ask for funding to make changes to the website, to make changes to fix all the loopholes in their portals. And the problem is with the Secretary of State, it's the the placement holder, you know, to... um, Run the elections each year for every two years for the state. They don't care because if, if you're trying to fix the system, if something goes wrong, they get out the blame. If something goes right, they get no credit for it. So this this is a huge problem. It's, it's going to be a huge issue in the next 10 years, and I don't think the state will fix it because the government moves very slow and to get funding with the legislature and, and the legislator in Nevada only meet every two years, and you have- to put that request in a bill, appropriation bill for funding, and it's not gonna, it's not gonna happen till probably like when I'm, you know, 70 years old because this issue's, it's, it's already been debated for the last 10 years and nobody has done anything. It, it, Colorado did. Colorado put in a, a PIN system. You know, like you, you have to answer your PIN. You know, you set up an account. Amanda, you have to, you get a PIN. So your PIN could be, you know, six five six seven, and that's your PIN, and no one can get in your your LLC and make changes without your PIN. So Ralph told me, Andy, only less than 20% of the business owners in, in Colorado sign up for it. Because people they, they think it, it it won't happen to them, yeah, only twenty percent less than twenty percent use the PIN system because people they, we they don't know about business identity theft they know about personal identity theft when someone uh, you know steals their social security number, then they go out and and open up uh, you know credit cards on in your name and and go buy you know goods. Then you have to call the, the credit card company, TransUnion, Equifax, and file four complaints with the police. You know, and people know about personal identity theft, but they they don't know about business identity theft because this is the most underreported theft in America, I think.
0: Right. Yeah. I I was reading about Colorado's program, and it just seemed like such a simple but powerful solution to have a, a pin number or a password associated with that business that is required to make any changes. And I'm actually very surprised to hear that only 20% of those businesses are taking advantage of that kind of program. It's such a simple way to add that extra layer of protection. It's it's shocking to me that more aren't doing it.
1: The police, the detectives, they get a list of changes from the state once, once a month. And they don't have enough manpower to call every single one on that list because it, it, the, the state gives them the list of all the changes that have been made to companies. Uh, you know, they, they went from um, a dormant status into an active status, fiscal address been changed. He only had enough time to go to maybe 10% of of all the the, the names on that list. So there's so many, other, there's so many victims out there that they, they don't, the police can't even help them because they don't have the resources and the manpower to deal with this problem, you know?
0: So what are what are some suggestions you have for people who have a, a business and hold title to a property through an LLC to protect themselves? Um, you know, whether it's using Company Alarm or some other, you know, manual or best practices that they can put into place to protect themselves.
1: Okay, great question. So how can Company Alarm help um, protect your, your business or your LLC? The, the first thing you have to do is be vigilant about the information, you know. Um, if you have time, you just check on it at least once a month and see if changes have been made to your LLC, but most people don't. Uh, number two is join Company Alarm, um, you know, subscribe to our service. What they get is they get an instant, a, a software will detect a change to your LLC, a name, a physical address, anything that's been made to your LLC, a precise message, alert will be pushed to your cell phone so you can act immediately to prevent the legal problem that I'm going through for the last three years trying to get my property back spending over four hundred thousand dollars in legal fees so when you get an immediate text alert on your cell phone you can look at it and say oh my god who is this you know James Calhoun, you know, I, I don't know this person. Why is he a manager of my company that I've been a manager for the last 12 years? You know, so you can take action immediately because time is, is time is is on your side when you can get. Notice right away, you, you can fix the issues instead of waiting 11 months later. I didn't know until 11 months later, too late by that time, the damage has been done, you know, because now you have to hire lawyers and spend money to get back something that you you rightfully own. It's a nightmare because they'll, they'll just bankrupt you, you know
0: we uh at Proologics, we work with a lot of title agents and real estate attorneys and what sort of um value would you say that this this adds to the the work they do is in terms of you know educating them about the issue and are there any other tips that you would give to them in terms of the work they do and the people that they help and maybe even their own companies is this you know a potential problem for them as well
1: yeah with uh, with our with our software we can you know We can help um, title agents or uh, uh, real estate attorneys. We have different levels of red, you know, green, blue, and red. Then we can assign a different alert. So red alert is like if someone just changed your physical address in the last two weeks or in the last 10 days, um, your business address. Uh, Number two is if someone just removed the managing member. So it gives them the tools to verify the information from the previous owner, I ch- double check on the address before they issue the title policy. You know, so that's what our software is, is great about—is helping people with tools and assign different alert that they can follow up and say, "Okay, red alert." Um, Andy has been a managing member for 12 years. Suddenly, uh, the guy has only been managing for two weeks. He's taking out a loan on a $1.7 million. Um, the lender is, is getting title policy. Now, the lender, the, the, the underwriter, is not doing her due diligence because she's just going on the Secretary of State website and look and say, OK, the new person is James Calhoun. It looks legit. The operating agreement looks Fine. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll issue a title policy. Now going to hold this legal process. The insurance company know that they're going to lo- they they're on the hook for the 1.7 million dollars, Amanda because they didn't check, they didn't check, they didn't, they they just went on the Secretary of State's website and saw James Calhoun as a managing member and issued a title policy without calling me. And all the crooks they did is they just make a fake operating agreement and everything is is forgery. And they said, I resigned from my own LLC. Um, they, They just signed my name without me knowing. And all they have to do is pick up the phone and just call me and say, Andy, I saw you. You've been a manager for 12 years. Did you give up the right to your property? This all can be resolved. If they have company alarm, we can show them that. We can show them that, okay, here's the history before and after. And they can verify the information.
0: Is that a standard practice? Um- Usually to to call and check up or is that something that also is perhaps lacking in terms of the, the due diligence side of the real estate transaction?
1: Yes, because I just I, I didn't know how the process worked until I have been in the last three years been into like fifty depositions and we have the the whole I've seen like 100 boxes of paper of like 80 depositions that that they have to interview every single person and depose everybody. And I didn't know that the the title officer doesn't call um, the previous owner when they issue a title policy to make sure that that, – that person has have, have sold uh, the right to that property to somebody else, you know, or the manager has to resign and get that, that um, when you send in your resignation letter, you know, that, and, and, and verify the offering agreement, you know, because you can just make up a fake offering agreement and say, I'm the sole manager for Kabayosu De Oro. And I I, I I didn't I didn't know that they didn't they don't even call and verify. It's just take a phone call to track down the previous manager, and they don't even do it. You know.
0: Well, yeah, I didn't realize that there wasn't that much you know research done into it. And the, I feel like that should definitely be a red flag for anybody who's working on a transaction where you know. In your case, you said that they changed managing partners, took you off, and within how many days or weeks was it that they were taking loans out against the property?
1: Oh they were smart. So what they did is um after they they removed his and managing member within thirty days they went to a private lender. Um uh, so they went to him and they said um here's the I'm the new managing member, here's the articles in corporations, here's the managing member, they they have a fake operating agreement Then they fill out um, a a loan application and they told a private lender that um, the land is worth, you know, $5 million was purchased back in 2005. And we just wanted to borrow $1.2 million. So the lender agreed, you know, because the lender, the private lender loan, the first loan was $1.2 million at 12% interest rate plus three points. So that's, 50, you know, that's 15% right there. Mm-hmm. Then within the next 48 hours, they, they Google Craigslist private lender. So they found a, another private lender out in, um, in, um, in Vegas, they went to him and said, look, we, I have this piece of land. I, I need to borrow 550. dollars You could be in the first position. No problem. The guy said, okay, I'm in first. The land's probably worth $5 million. There's no, you know, when you're in first, you don't care. So there's plenty of equity there. I'm covered. So throughout this, when I went through this whole uh, legal process, I discovered that the first and the lender, the first and the second, both thought they're in first. You know, the second thought he's in first. The first thought he's in first. So when <laughs> they pulled like a the prelim, <laughs> yeah, when they pulled the prelim um, with the county, they didn't see that the first has been recorded. So the second guy, he he thought he was in first. Mm. So so they they time it right, Amanda. They they they, they know that the, the the recording one showed up within 48 hours, or you know. Uh, they, they That's how they they operate because they say if I can go and get both loans within forty eight hours, the title officer wouldn't cash that when because when you pull a pre before the closing, you didn't see like oh my god, you know this 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 land there's no debt on it the recording mm-hmm. hasn't hasn't appeared on the, the 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 county recorder's office website, you know, so that's I, how they were able to pull it off.
0: So from like a lender perspective, a private lender, even it seems like it would behoove them to look a little closer into these uh, deals for their own sake as well, because, you know, if <laughs> obviously crooks don't care about, you know, anyone who might be swindled by them. So it, it sounds like there's a um, personal interest on their behalf to to do a little bit more due diligence on their part in confirming the managing partners, wouldn't you say?
1: Absolutely. all the private lenders that subscribe could could get your report, you know, and and look at all the, the liens on the property and see what has to appear on your property because it'd be great because information is the key, especially when you centralize all your information in one place, and you get a, a comprehensive report, like what your company does. You know, I think it's fantastic that you're able to provide that for people, business people like myself, especially lenders, real estate developers, buyers, home buyers. Um, it's, it's, you, you, can, you get that accessible right in front of you. You can see it in real time. You know. And that's what I love about your company is that's what you're able to provide. We don't have to go and look. You know, you have a a survey, like I just bought, I own a truck stop. And when I bought it, it, you know, I'm building a truck wash there right now. And, um, you know, it's a rectangular piece. But... Now I discovered that the, the property line is, is not the, is, is, is zigzag, so I'm gonna I have issue regarding parking on my uh, on my property because my neighbor owns that because we we, we thought it was a straight line you know mm-hmm. never assume anything always check that's what I tell people definitely you
0: know? due diligence yeah. is key for sure and that is what we are all about
1: absolutely and also like sometimes when. When you know I bought a, another example, I own two industrial buildings out in in Taft, California, and we bought it with cash free and clear and next thing, you know the next thing you know I, I got a, a notice of default. Um, because the the parents that used to own that building passed away, and the kids uh, thought that there's an outstanding loan on the property because somehow the reconveying was never uh, recorded on there. So um, so we have to hire a lawyer, cost another ten thousand dollars to show that you know the 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 reconveyance was never recorded right on the property, but you know uh-huh. the loan was paid off. So th- that's one thing I like about what you guys do. Also, is like provide data for people like myself when I buy something to check on it. You know to check measures sure everything is is done correctly. are the liens been removed, or accept, or the utility easements and everything that that, that needs to be needs to we need to know before we close on a transaction you know so it doesn't come back and hurt us in the future what what happened to me last three years has been a nightmare i wouldn't trade for anything in the world so i don't want other business owners to go to what i have gone through that's the reason why i built company alarm and i I just want people to know right now cyber Identity theft is on the rise. Just be vigilant and get the audit information. Subscribe to uh, you know get on our website www.companyalarm.com. We have great articles on business identity theft that that you know that they can do things that they can do to prevent this. You know. Because America is the, the, the best place to live, you know? It's a land of opportunity. All you have to do is just work hard, play by the rules, and you can make it. Because as an immigrant, I, I came here with, with, just with clothes on my back. And, um, and my goal is to build businesses to hire more people and to give back to the community which I, I, I love. That's what my mission is, is to build more businesses and hire people and pay great wages and take care of, of the people that work for me and their family and their kids. That's my philosophy is, is, is you know, help people along the way on, on this journey because I was very blessed to have this life here in America. And I'm very, very lucky.
0: That's great. Yeah. I um I do appreciate your spirit and, and you know what you said about um playing by the rules and how, you know, I think that is important if we are um you know, in the in our society, if we do want to flourish as a group, um it's it's important that, you know, you're you're out there helping, making sure that people aren't being taken advantage of. But those people who aren't playing by the rules and that's um really important and I'm I'm glad to see people like you uh you know, creating solutions to to fight fraud like this, and to make sure everyone um, gets to pursue their American dream like you have. I think that's a really powerful and great story, and I really appreciate you taking time to to talk about it with me and to share to share your experiences.
1: Thank you, Amanda. Anytime. Yeah, I, I love to be a part of whatever you need, I, I love to help you, and uh, for me, it's, I'd rather work with somebody than do it alone and we can help each other and spread, the, educate the public and educate business owners. I think we can make a huge difference for for, for both of us because the, my purpose is to f- provide a tool for people to protect themselves and also to educate the public about um, business and identity theft on, is on the rise, you know?
0: For sure, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for um, for taking the time to do that today. I appreciate it,
1: it. It was it was my pleasure. Thank you for the privilege of your time.
0: Title Talks is produced by PropLogix and myself. Original music is by Cole Sando. If you have an idea for an episode, email us at title.talks at That's P R O P L O G I X dot com. Until next time, happy closings.